Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. We have to recognize Christ is not divided. If we are divided, we are at fault. And God help us to get our eyes back on Jesus so we can do what we are supposed to do despite our differences, love one another, and work collectively together for the advance of Christ's kingdom, not a worldly kingdom. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of 1 Corinthians. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 17, in a message titled, Is Christ Divided? Now, here's Pastor Brian. If we break ourselves all up into a bunch of different teams, then this is going to be problematic. So what was the specific problem that Paul is writing about? Well, he goes on and he tells us about it in verses 11 and 12. He says, my brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas, which is the Aramaic name for Peter. And still another, I follow Christ. So this is what's happening in the Corinthian church. Paul, as I said, he's gone on to other things. He's carrying on his ministry. And he hears that now the church is being divided up. And of course, none of the names that he mentions here, his own name for one, none of them are involved in any of these politics that are going on in the church. They're not involved in these power plays, but people in the church are latching on to these names and then creating factions throughout the church saying, hey, hey, no, I'm, I'm, I'm for Paul. Oh, well, you know, Paul's fine, but, but I think Apollos, he's really our man. And others are like, well, forget Paul and Apollos. Who are they? Man, Peter is the guy. He was with Jesus. And somebody finally says, forget all of them. I'm, I'm just for Jesus. But you can see how counterproductive this is, right? Now, so Paul would be the founder of the church. So naturally, there would be many people there that would say, I'm for Paul when it comes down to it. Apollos came to the church and Apollos was, the scripture de, uh, describes Apollos as he's eloquent and he's mighty in the scriptures. He's an Alexandrian Jew. Alexandria uh, was one of the intellectual centers of the ancient world. So Apollos, he comes from that background and he's got this amazing gift. He's eloquent. He can speak so well. And he's mighty in scripture. And then Peter, of course, Peter is, he was right there with Jesus. Peter's the one who Jesus gave the keys of the kingdom to. So you could see how these kinds of things started to develop. But if we just stop and think about it for a moment, of course, you can see how, how destructive this could be to a congregation as well. You know, let's just say, what if we, what if here in, in our fellowship, what if we had 
you know, four different people who taught the word. And then we had groups that divided up, different sections. And they had their favorite preacher. And so you show up on Sunday and your guy isn't up there. You're like, oh, why is this guy speaking today? I don't even like this guy. You know, gosh. Turn to the person next to you. Do you even like this guy? Are you kidding? I love this guy. This, this, God ministers to me so much through this person. Oh, gosh. What's your problem? I can't even speak, you know? No, I, I like so-and-so. Somebody else hears you and they go, hey, neither one of those guys are very good. I, you know who I like, don't you? Now, what if we, what do you think that would do to our church if that's the kind of mentality we had? It will break everything up. It'll tear everything up. And, and this is what was happening in Corinth. And quite frankly, this is what's happened in the body of Christ. And this is actually what's happened in, in other churches beside the Corinthian church as well. But the beautiful thing is how Paul handles this. Now, let me just say this. The Corinthians, as we already pointed out, they were a mess in many areas. They still had so many things wrong. They saw the church as a competitive environment where the goal was to be in the in group. And so they created these cliques around the names of the apostles and Jesus. But, but what does Paul do? He does he does the absolute right thing. And he does the, the thing that's necessary to nip it in the bud. He asks this question in verse 13. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? You see, Paul is not going to give one minute to any of this stuff. Now, unfortunately, sometimes these kinds of divisions are able to really develop because there are personalities that promote that sort of thing. There are people that they like to be considered as the most important or the best or whatever the case might be. But the, the Apostle Paul was completely free from that. He had no personal ambition. He had no desire to have his name elevated above that of anybody else's. And so he just comes very, very candidly straight at them with, is Christ divided? Was, was Paul, was I crucified for you? So he's just showing them that he, he's not buying into this in any way, shape, or form. And then he goes on and he says, I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. Yes, I also baptized the house of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So you see, they were making a comparison. Oh, Apollos is way more eloquent than Paul. And oh, but Peter is this. And, and oh, but the wisdom, all of this stuff. Paul says, you know, none of those things are the point. 
It's not about wisdom or eloquence. It's about the power of the gospel. And, of course, it's about Christ. And so, Paul, he just tackles it straight on in these verses. And now, this is the beginning of a of an argument, really, that's going to carry us all the way through the fourth chapter. So right here, beginning at verse 10, all the way to the end of the fourth chapter, in a sense, Paul is dealing with the same kinds of issues. And we'll get more into the details next time of how the Corinthians thought so highly of, of wisdom. As a matter of fact, Corinth was a center of philosophy, And so they put a high priority on intellect. And it was, you know, in those days, philosophers were not just people who sat around and thought about stuff. They were people who articulated it very precisely. They were rhetoricians and they were eloquent and they spoke in such powerful ways. They could just keep a person spellbound by their, their ability to string words together. And so the Corinthians were all about all of this stuff. And they didn't remember that none of those things are the main thing. The gospel itself and Christ crucified, that's where the power is. So Paul's going to go on to uh, elaborate on that in detail. But a little bit further, just to give you a little taste of where it's headed. At a certain point, Paul will use himself and Apollos to illustrate the point that we're on the same team. So remember here, they're juxtaposing Paul and Apollos. And so we already said Apollos was eloquent. He was this man who was mighty in the scriptures. You know, Paul was brilliant, but in many things that he says in his, in his letters, it seems that people, they didn't think he was that good of a speaker, though. So anyway, Paul's going to go on later in the third chapter. He's going to go on and he's going to address this situation. And these are the words that he uses. He says, what after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord assigned to each his task. And then he says this, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God makes it grow. The one who plants and the one who waters are one. See, Paul's saying, look, don't try to divide us. Don't try to pit us against one another. This isn't about a competition. We are together in this. We need Apollos. We need Peter's voice. Some people need to hear my voice, Paul would say. But we're not competing with each other like these these philosophers that you are so enamored with. No, we're, we're on the mission together. We're on one mission. And that is to exalt Christ and to proclaim his word. So that is the, that's the historical situation that Paul is addressing here. But I want to take this, this question of Paul, is Christ divided? And I want to bring it into the 21st century. I want to bring it into the moment that we're living in because it is certainly relevant 
at this moment, isn't it? It is so incredibly relevant because Christians are divided today over so many things. And listen, I I say this a lot, but I, I can understand that the world, people outside of Jesus are gonna behave in certain ways And in a sense, it's excusable because you're like, okay, yeah, they don't know what we know. They don't have the Lord, the Holy Spirit. And so, yes, they're going to behave this way. But what, what do we say when Christians are acting just like everybody else? What do we say when in the church there are the same kinds of conflicts going on? Christians are divided. The very thing that Paul is saying that there be no divisions among you. And that's exactly where we find ourselves today. But let me just say this. Not all Christians are divided, thank God. So like I said, I don't want to overstate the case. There are Christians that are navigating this time well. And not everybody's divided. And thank God for that. So the, the, the main point is this. Christ is not divided. Christians are divided, but Christ is not divided. He is one. And if we are divided, it's because we've taken our eyes off of Christ. That's what's happened. That's why all this division exists, because we've taken our eyes off Christ. And we must fix our eyes again on Jesus. And as we do that... He will bring us back together. Listen, you can't be right with Jesus and hate your brother or sister. You can't. If you hate your brother or sister, you're not right with Jesus. It's that simple. It's not at all complicated. So if you find that you've got this animosity, if you've got this just anger in you toward other believers in Jesus because you think they did this or because they voted in this way. If you have that in you, you don't have your eyes on Christ. Because when you put your eyes back on Jesus, guess what he's going to do? He's going to give you love for his body. It's his body. And he's going to call you and he's going to enable you to let go of those things and to get the priorities right once again. Now, I shared this recently, and I want to share it again because it was really a a significant moment for me, and I think it's just so applicable to our current situation. Remember the words of the captain of the Lord's army to Joshua there in Joshua chapter 5 when Joshua is there, he's about to go into battle for Jericho, and then it says that, that there in the distance he sees a man standing with a sword drawn. And so Joshua approaches this man, and this man is the Lord. It's, it's a what you would call a theophany. It's an appearance of God in a human form. But Joshua doesn't realize that at first. So he comes to him, and he comes with this question. He says, Are you for us or are you for our enemies? And the response is neither. But as the captain of the Lord's army, I have come. 
So let me translate that into today's language. Are you for us? Are you for them? I'm for neither. I'm for me, and you better get in line behind me. You see, the reality is Jesus is not going to be co-opted by one side or the other. Jesus is for himself. He's got a plan. He has an agenda. And he's not on either team. He's got his own team. And Christians are by our very definition supposed to be on his team because he's the captain of the Lord's army. So you see, we have to recognize that. So we've got to get on the Lord's side. He's not divided and neither will we be when we align with him. Now, that doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that we won't hold different views on issues. I'm not talking about uniformity here, that we all have to think the same thing. Uh, You don't have to think the same thing that I think about political things or social things. You can think what you want on that. We, we have that freedom. We're not, we're not calling for uniformity in these areas, just like we're not calling for uniformity in secondary doctrinal issues. So we can hold different views. It doesn't mean that we can hold different views. It means that we won't hate or blame or demonize or cancel or divide with other Christians over the issues. That's the big challenge right there. That's the big challenge. That we will not hate or blame or demonize or cancel or divide over these other issues. See, I might have my strong opinions about all of these things, but if my strong opinions lead me to break from my brothers and sisters in Christ, then I am wrong. And I need to get right. I've taken my eyes off Jesus and I've made this thing more important than the body of Christ. And we all know this, right? No political figure or no political party is going to save the world. Jesus is going to save the world. And man, you know, this, I think about this often. You know, there are critical moments in history where the church has an opportunity to really shine for what it's supposed to be. And I think this is one of those critical moments, but I wonder, are we really shining now? Are we really doing very well? You know, in the midst of the confusion and the chaos and all of the stuff that's going on with all of these issues, you know, the church ideally would be a place where people in the midst of the confusion would go, you know, those, they seem to have it together over there. Gosh, they, they love each other. They're helping each other. They're, you know, they're working toward just healing and, and hope and all of those things. You know, that's what the church is to be. But if we're divided, then we will not be that. And as a matter of fact, we're not that because people are looking on and they think, Christians are nuts. Christians are crazy. The Christians got themselves attached 
to a political party. And so now all the bad things about the political party are also associated with Christians. So, you know, you're never going to win in that arena. We're not supposed to win in that arena. We are a different thing. Neither. Jesus is for neither. He's for himself. And the church is his body. And so we, as his body, we have to recognize Christ is not divided. If we are divided, we are at fault. And God help us to get our eyes back on Jesus so we can do what we are supposed to do despite our differences, love one another before one another and work collectively together for the advance of Christ's kingdom, not a worldly kingdom. In closing, I want to just come back around and I want to do this for anybody who's here today, anybody who's listening, anybody who's watching, who hasn't maybe received Christ. Paul says, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach good news. You know, the word gospel means good news. That's the message, the good news. And the good news is this. The good news is that God has made a way for us human beings who have been separated from him because of sin and held bondage under the power of sin, he's made a way for us to be set free from that bondage and to be reconciled to him and to be brought into a relationship with our creator. That's the good news. And of course, that all happens through Jesus Christ and what he's done. And so as we close today, do you know this good news and have you received this good news? Have you received that gift that God has for you? That when you lay hold of it for what it really is, you're going to realize that all of this other stuff, it, you know, it has a place and it does have some importance in life, but it's not the main thing. There's something way, way bigger and way, way better than any of these other things could ever be. And that's like I said in the very beginning, that's a relationship with the God who made you and the God who loves you and the God who has a plan for your life. And so I want to encourage you as believers, those of you who are believers here, which I'm assuming is most of us, um, I want to encourage you to, to take to heart the things that we talked about today and, and if need be, to ask the Lord, Lord, search my heart. You know, have I had that kind of animosity? You know, where, where have I been uh, guilty of dividing the body of Christ? Or where have I failed to love? And more, even more simply, Lord, how, how have I taken my eyes off you? And, and ask the Lord to search our hearts and to use this as a time to get right with him. So God bless you and enrich you, and may he help us all to keep our eyes on him so that rather than having all of the stress and all of the anxiety and all of those other things that, that come with this contentious environment that we live in, that we would have peace and that we would have joy.
For the month of January, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Out of the Black Shadows by Stephen Lungu with Ann Coombs. Abused, abandoned, empty, and angry. This is a story of many youth in our culture today. And it's also the beginning of the story of the life of Stephen Lungu, a young African man turned terrorist during a time of political and social unrest in Africa. In his book, Out of the Black Shadows, Stephen Lungu shares his testimony of being abused by his father, abandoned by his mother, rejected by family, to ultimately finding inner healing, peace, reconciliation, and true purpose through Jesus. If you want to be inspired by the transformation and healing God can produce in a life, you need to get this month's resource from Back to Basics. The book, Out of the Black Shadows by Stephen Lungu with Ann Coombs, is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of 1 Corinthians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.